Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. Mississippi. the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. We good? Am I the only one hearing an echo? Yes, you are. Okay. You are, yes. How about that? There we go. Now we're good. There was Somebody else had pushed a button. It happens Everybody's sometimes. always pushing your buttons, man. Yeah, sometimes more than others. Pearl River Resort Studio, the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. You can find out more online at pearlriverresort.com. Plenty happening at Pearl River Resort and at the sportsbook. You can be part of the conversation. Join us, won't you, on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. It's backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do. That's right here in C Spire country. Check them out online at cspire.com slash business. Ooh, what a weekend. What a weekend. A whole lot of winning. And of baseball, and just of Mississippi. Wow! So Mississippi State, after a shall we call it less than stellar performance on Friday, bounced back in a big, big way in front of the seventh largest crowd in Duty Noble Stadium history. Mississippi State won on Saturday, and then they were able to back in the series yesterday with a convincing. Victory where they scored 16 runs and pitched it well. Ole Miss, after getting popped in the mouth on Friday night, was able to bounce back and get a pair of wins on Saturday and Sunday in a top 15 matchup. I said to someone at the baseball game yesterday, I I don't know, 6th, 7th inning, I was talking to a former player, and I said, if Ole Miss is able to hang on and win this game, they just won an SEC series. That's the type team that Maryland is. With the way they swing it, now nah, they were a little thin on the back end of the bullpen, clearly. Almost really swung it well over the course of the weekend. Mississippi State allowed one 
made basket. One made basket by their opponent, Texas A&M, who, by the way, had won 13 of their previous 15 games in the last 14 minutes and 9 seconds of the game. Good luck finding another time where that has happened recently. One basket! And it was on an air ball three with nobody blocking out where the guy grabbed it and just laid it off the glass. Never mind recently, maybe ever. And Ole Miss on Saturday night. In front of a crowd that honestly was a little better than I think some people expected when it was all said and done with Wynn Case as the acting head coach in the absence of Kermit Davis after he was let go on Friday, Thursday. Ole Miss got a win against LSU, and they looked they looked different. They looked freer. They made shots. They looked like they were having fun on the floor and had one of their best offense. In fact, it was the best offensive output since their win against Valpo in mid-December. Yeah. And, and win can't lose. Print the T-shirts, right? Make make the sticker. I mean, it, hang it sells from itself. win can't lose. Let's start the campaign. Oh, I had so many people just just cringed inside. Sorry. Yeah, I know that, that, and, that's a, that's still a, a sore wound. It is. Print the banners though. Uh, disappointing weekend in baseball for Southern Miss. They lose thirteen to five in the series opener. Get an eleven inning, fourteen thirteen win. Really had to battle for it on Saturday. And then lost nine to four yesterday. Uh, yeah, a big series uh, against the Big Ten team, and we'll we'll talk with Scott Barry coming up in uh, a little while about the weekend and about turning the page to uh, a week that includes a game against Mississippi State on Tuesday night in Pearl, and then uh, three games against Dallas Baptist coming up. We as learned well. today, lot, by the guys. way. Yeah, uh, one of one of my common gripes during baseball season is when they play these games in Pearl. At times, you haven't been able to watch them anywhere. It was the year 2022, and there is a game being played in a professional minor league baseball park, and you can't watch it anywhere. It's ridiculous. It's the year 20... You know, over the years, it's been an issue. Not an issue tomorrow. How you watch your team this weekend is how you will get to watch them on Tuesday. You can watch the baseball game tomorrow, which is a nice, refreshing change of pace. And look, it's really early in the and, season. But this is an important also, we game should give for Southern both Miss, of these teams. We should give Southern Miss some love here. They did win the uh, yes. Sun Belt regular season championship on Friday night. Absolutely. In basketball. Got it done in hoops. They will be the one seed in the Sun Belt Conference tournament. Sorry, I just kind of paused as we were hanging on to that and added a couple of things. So thank you for including yeah. that right there. Brian Haydad. Uh Southern Miss fans on Twitter, the uh, the... Half dozen or so of you that come after me so much, and now, hey, Dad, uh, I just want you to know that in the notes on the second line, it mentions Southern Miss Hoops. Those are the notes that I make, just so you know. Hey, Dad brought it and, up, and f- I put it and, in the notes, and f- just so you know. And Friday night, when, when Sports Talk Mississippi tweeted, congratulations to Southern that, that was, was me. Hey, Dad. That was me, Southern Miss fans. So if Brick Johnson and the Cloverleaf Mall account are listening, I want some love. I I think what you're trying to do without actually doing it is throw me under the bus because I didn't mention no, it in the you. rundown. They, they no, no, you. because nobody, no, A, they're not going off on you, and B, nobody expects anything from you on social media. Oh, so right, good to know. That's good to know. There you go. Um, wow. So what a weekend. 
Um, what a weekend. Hard to describe. How to pick where to start. I was having that internal dilemma earlier today. It's like, I think, and not I think, I know, I know the biggest win of the weekend was Mississippi State over Texas A&M. With all due respect to other Miss fans, I know you locked up your regular season conference title, but you got to win your conference tournament to get in. You have to. That That is the deal. Uh, it was not the same, obviously, for Mississippi State. Now it's very simple, right? Just don't lose to two bad teams. Now, calling Vanderbilt a bad team is a little disingenuous because they're certainly scrappy and they can beat you. But two teams that you're better <laughs> than... They're head of state in the conference standings. Yeah. yeah. Two teams that, that you're better than, if you beat them both, what happens in the tournament, the SEC tournament, probably doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Stayed up to 39 in the net as of today. Um, one thing I seem to like about the net, and I, as far as I can tell, is... You know, remember last year with baseball, we talked about RPI, and Ole Miss couldn't play a certain game because it was going to hurt their RPI regardless if they won or not. The net doesn't seem to act that way. State will play a quad four game on Tuesday, and if they win, their net will either stay the same or go up. And it doesn't seem to – wins don't negatively affect you regardless of who you're playing. So State's going to be at a point where when they beat, when they beat South Carolina, if they can beat South Carolina, I should say uh, – that the Vanderbilt game, I mean, eight and ten would it would it would not be great, but it might they might be in regardless. They just need to make sure they don't lose the bad game to South Carolina. And 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 you have to remember, right? If you're following the net rankings and it doesn't move the way you thought it was going to move based on the outcome of the team that you're specifically following, so Mississippi State, right? If it doesn't move up as much as you thought it was going to, or down as much as you thought it was going to, you have to remember it's not just. You, you're not operating in a vacuum in the game that you played. It's you against the teams you played and where you played them and the teams they played and where they played them. Who you beat, where you played them, who they beat, and where they played them. And that all factors into the formula. And so if Mississippi, if you thought so what, State was 43 in the net going into the mm-hmm. game against A&M. And if you thought they were going to only move up to 41, and I don't know, I haven't like cross-checked all of these results, but if both Marquette and Utah had quality wins over the weekend, then that could have as much effect as Mississippi State moving up a couple of spots or four spots in the net to 39 as their win over Texas A&M at home did. In fact, because it was a home win... Even though it was a quad one win, that could have more of an impact. It's it's a crazy formula. The net's not the the be all end all. You got to remember, Texas A and M had what a thirty six net ranking last year and didn't get in the tournament, despite their their crazy good finish. So uh, we will talk about that game on Saturday in Starkville coming up. We'll talk about the baseball weekend that was coming up. This is frankly one of those days where. Four or five hours would be better than three hours. But we only got three, so we're going to do the best that we can. Uh, and we're going to start things off on a baseball Monday, a baseball palooza of a Monday show with uh, with Scott Berry. He's going to join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. That will be coming up next. We'll talk with Chris Lamonis. We'll talk with Mike Bianco later in the show 
this afternoon. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. All guests on Sports Talk Mississippi appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Pleased, as always, to be joined by Scott Perry, head baseball coach at, uh, at Southern Mississippi. Coach, I know this is not necessarily how you drew it up this weekend, at least in your mind, but uh, the reality is when you go out and you play baseball, you, you don't win all of them. As you look back on on the three game series, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, honestly, Richard, uh, in reality, we uh, we got beat by a better team this weekend. I mean, Illinois beat us in all phases when you, when you graded out over the three games and and earned the uh, earned the series win. But you know, moving forward, well, there's still a lot of unknowns, and and particularly our pitching staff and and how to use them and. And what they're going to be able to do, uh, they're just, you know, baseball to be successful, you got to be consistent. And right now, that's kind of just through the seven games that we played and being five and two, we just haven't in this young season seen the consistency that you'd hope to see out of, out of particularly your bullpen is, is what I'm, uh, you know, relate, uh, relating to the most. So this is one of those questions that you're like, come on, Richard, because if I had the answer to that, I would immediately get it. But in terms of seeking that consistency, what's the process for you? And Because you don't get to just like stop and take a couple of weeks to work on things. You have to turn around and play on Tuesday and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday and do it over and over and over. Well, I think the biggest thing, you know, most of these adjustments that these young players have to make is more on the physical, or I'm sorry, more on the mental side than the physical side. You know, they all have the talent, they have the skill level for the most part to compete and play at this level. It's the mindset, it's how you recover from a bad outing or a bad at bat or a bad game defensively. Everything that, you know, goes into the struggles and, and being able to conquer this game. Those are things move forward, and the only way you can redeem yourself is by another opportunity to go out and uh, and get it done, and and that's what we'll have to do because that's where we at where we're at with with the personnel that we have right now. There, you know, where we have twenty returner returning players from last year's team, twelve that saw significant action, uh, you know, eight saw a little bit, or they were red shirts, but you know, the eighteen new guys that really have to factor in. Uh, uh, for those that we lost, particularly uh, on the pitching side, with the five underclassmen that that signed that were drafted, you know, there's still those unknowns, and there's going to be growing pains with that. And those that haven't had the success, and certainly, we're going to have to try to instill the confidence that they can go out at this level and compete. And the next opportunity is your your time to show that. Scott, based on what you just said, 
Does that mean that, that the offense may have to lead you for a while? But Because that's where the, the majority of those returning players, the veterans, the guys that have been through it and have the experience uh, are, are lined up? Well, you hope so. You know, right now, through seven games, Rich, we're hitting 277. It's not a, it, and it's not a problem of getting on base. It's a, it's a problem of getting them in. Through seven games, we've, we've left 81 runners on base, and I think that's a little over mm-hmm. 11 per game. And, you know, what, what we try to teach is create the opportunity and then cash in on it. So yeah. we're, we're giving ourselves the opportunity by getting people on base. It's just we're not getting those two out hits. And unfortunately, this past weekend with, with Illinois, they did just that. They got those big two out hits. Yesterday in the first inning, we went strikeout, strikeout, base hit, walk, walk. We're one pitch away from getting out of it. And guy singles, now they're up two to nothing. So, you know, that's, that's a great at bat. And great inning for them, but we've got to be able to create those innings like they did and cash in on them and create that momentum. And right now, that's what we're fighting. We're fighting about momentum, understanding what momentum is and how to keep it, and if you lose it, to get it back. Yeah, the crazy thing about that is you, you say it's a single that, that scores two runs and, and sets the tone. It, it doesn't always have to be a three-run home run or a screaming double in the gap. It's just somehow get it in play, right, so you can, can kind of steal something early. And just giving yourself a chance, exactly right. And, uh, and you know, that's, that's what we've got to continue to do is give ourselves a chance. And, and, you know, you've heard it. Over and over, just like I have, hitting's contagious, and it certainly is. And if we can get some of our guys who have been slumping through the seven games that we're counting on, if we can get them rolling, then, you know, I feel really good about it. But once again, we're talking about consistency, showing up each day and being able to give us those, those outings or those, those at-bats like, uh, like we want and need. I'd love to tell you that uh, that your next five games are against directional nobodies that have uh, have never played baseball before, but that's not the case. Um, it's Mississippi State on Tuesday night, and then a series with Dallas Baptist, and then a midweek game next week with uh, with Ole Miss. It, it doesn't slow down, right? So so you got to be good, and you got to be good fast. That's right. I mean, you have to you have to understand the sense of urgency and what we have to do. But you know, once again, we've got to take it game by game, and we can't you know we can't get caught up in who the opponent is. If the emotions of who the opponent is makes you play better, then certainly you're going to lose out on those that that don't have as much meaning on the front of their chest. So you know, you just try to really concentrate on the game and, and playing the game and winning the game and competing as the game, you know, uh, gives you the opportunities to do. And, and hopefully that's what we'll do and mature in this, this young season. I know we're, you know, we're still five and two and losing a series loss, you know, it makes you feel like you're 500, but you know, we played an outstanding game on Tuesday against UNO, a one hit yeah. shutout. I mean, we played as good a complete game as you could play uh, against UNO. And then obviously against Illinois, the D1 write-ups that they had in the reviews coming in this season, I think we're spot on. You know, I think they have a chance to, to really make some noise in the Big Ten. So in that game against UNO, you started Billy Oldham last week. Uh, what's, the, what's the plan on the mound tomorrow against Mississippi State? Well, we're going to go with uh, Tyler Martin, left-hander, who has been seeing two appearances out of, out of the bullpen. Uh, Billy has got a little bit of shoulder 
tightness in there, so we're not going to push him. He, he's uh, pretty close today, but I just don't feel good about it. Uh, you know, obviously naming him a star, not that we wouldn't use him if he feels better tomorrow, but he's a key piece and, and a guy that I feel like we certainly know what we're going to get, and he's going to play big for us down down the road. So if he if he feels good tomorrow, then we'll probably use him at some point, but uh, we've had to kind of adjust that and go to Tyler Martin, uh, where he was a Nebraska transfer. Certainly a lot of eyes on tomorrow night with uh, you guys meeting up with Mississippi State in Pearl. Wish you all the best, and uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks for your time, Scott. Thank you, Richard. That's Scott Berry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. That game that he was talking about against UNO, I mean, 12 nothing. Hits up and down the lineup, 12 runs on 14 hits, no errors, uh, combined 12, 13, 14, 15 strikeouts with two walks. Now, that, that said, UNO is not Illinois. That's, that's good Illinois baseball team. And frankly, the Big Ten kind of, kind of made some noise in baseball this weekend. You had Illinois going on the road to Hattiesburg and winning two out of three. You had Iowa just smoking LSU on Saturday. Maryland gets the win against Ole Miss in the first game, and they're very competitive in those other two. Um, this may be a little bit better Illinois, I'm sorry, Big Ten league than we've seen in recent years. I'm curious to see very if possible. all of this television money translates to a better baseball conference. It's not bad. Like you, I mean, it, it hasn't been bad. I mean, Chris Lamonis' Indiana teams were good. I mean, you know, they've had their moments from Michigan time Michigan played to time. for a national title Michigan was four good. years ago, right? But, I mean, the money, it's got to go somewhere, right? They're not just going to, you know, they've got to spend that money in order to maintain the charade that they're not making any profit. Maybe suddenly there's going to be another viable baseball conference out there. If, uh, maybe so. Maybe so. It'd be fun. You got the ACC where they care about it. You got the Pac-12 where they care about it. Some, I think it's more. State than has some. Ohio. State has Ohio State this weekend in that tournament yeah. out in Frisco. So another another Big Ten SEC matchup there. And and Ohio State's been a pretty good team. Ole Miss is going to play three Big Ten teams, including Maryland again this weekend. Then they got yeah, Purdue gonna, coming in in like to have two a weeks. Bit of, a little bit of spice after what happened this weekend. It does. It uh, it absolutely does. You know, I love that. I know there there are some people that are doing the unwritten rules thing. You know, don't watch your home run. And then there are some people that are you know getting onto the catcher that yelled at McCants. Is it fair to say that both of them are fine, McCants? If you're gonna hit a missile the way he did, admire it. That's fine. If a guy hits a missile off you, don't throw him a meatball over the plate. However, if a guy's going to stand in the batter's box forever, as a catcher, you probably should yell at him. Like, sure, all good. And by the way, if the catcher's going to keep talking to the batter when he comes back around and the on-deck guy looks like somebody that should be wrestling in WWE and he wants to stand up for his guy, I don't really have a problem with that either. None. That was that but, was nice little drama but, there. Hey, Dad, you will vouch for this, umpires? Keep the calm, but stay out of it, and don't put your hands on anybody. We don't need an umpire Absolutely. shuffling a guy along the bases. We'll be back. No. Hey, guys!
guys. What happened? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. All right, so let's get into the weekend that was. We've got winners and losers coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, college football fix in the 5 o'clock hour. Still going to visit with Chris Lamonis from Mississippi State and Mike Pianco from Ole Miss. But I feel like we've got to talk about the game that we've had circled on the calendar for a while and that we said on Friday was an absolute must-win for Mississippi State. That was the game against Texas A&M on Saturday at Humphrey Coliseum. It was a must-win and the Bulldogs somehow, some way, won it. And they won it with stifling defense and making a few shots. Not a lot of shots, but a few shots along the way. Not not a lot. Not a lot. Made plenty of two-point shots. Not, not so many three-point shots. Mississippi Three State of 21 started the from, game. Uh, they, they started the game two of two from behind the arc. They made their first two threes. Yeah. And then they went one for 19 the rest of the way. You threw out a stat that uh, a friend of mine actually texted me in the middle of the game. He was like, is he right about this? And I, I mean, and I, I, my first thought was, I don't think Richard just throws out stats. But about Mississippi State being 347, 348 nationally in three-point percentage. Uh, that number probably went down after uh, Saturday's performance as well. So and for, your, for those of you who are listening who don't know, only 363 teams play college basketball, so our D1 college basketball. So Mississippi State only 15 above the bottom in three-point shooting percentage. But if you take the three-pointers out, State shoots. Yeah, you got it right there. If, yeah. if you're watching on Super Talk TV, so this was my Mississippi State chart. This is the, the front side of it where it has players and team notes and some individual stuff, and then this is the back side of it. And it's got schedule, top 25, Coach history, and then it's got team statistics here. And it's got Mississippi State with the value for each statistic, where they rank nationally, and where they rank in the conference. And when you go down to three-point field goal percentage, they are shooting 28% from three. That is 14th in the SEC and 347th nationally. No, I didn't just make that stat up. Yeah, I knew you didn't. And... Like I said, it's probably gone down since then after a 3-of-21 performance uh, on Saturday. But if you take the threes out, State shoots 67% from the four <laughs> inside the three. So maybe they need to manufacture more of those shots. But defensively is where this game was won, as you, as you said. So Texas A&M hits a three-pointer to make it a, a nine-point lead, 44-35 with 14.09 to go. Jans calls timeout, try to stem the bleeding a little bit. The next timeout is, I think, at 10.30, and State has the lead back. They're up 47-46 at that point. So they've gone on a uh, 12-2 run. And as we said, there was not another made field goal. Now, a and made plenty of free throws. They got into the bonus pretty early, and they did a good job making the free throws. Both teams did pretty good from the free throw line in this game, and there were plenty of free throws shot. And you would expect that with these two teams, very physical teams. They play tough defense. They're, they're going to get into each other. Uh, what three players fouled out in this game? One from State and two from uh, from Texas A and M. But A and M just couldn't buy a bucket, and their one bucket, as you said, was 
a guy catches an air ball underneath the basket where nobody's standing and just puts it back up and in. That's the only made shot for the final 14 minutes of the game. That it, State's defense has carried them all year, and it's been really good, and it's why they're, they're, they're in the position that they're in. But that was a different level that they found to just completely shut down Texas A&M's offense. Uh, steals, had some block shots in there. Steals led to some points in transition, a couple of big dunks. And that's how you walk away with with a with a maybe a season defining win for you. And and look, I I think it's important to know. I feel like Texas A and M has been overlooked, right? Because their name is mm-hmm. not Kentucky. Their name isn't Tennessee or Florida or Arkansas. It's it's Texas A and M basketball, and so they kind of fly below the radar. Going into the game, their six straight wins was the longest current SEC winning streak. It was Texas A&M's longest since closing out the 2015-16 season. Their 13-2 and start to SEC play was the best 15-game start they've had since joining the league. And it was their second-best start in conference play ever. The only one that was better was 14-2 and when they won the Southwest Conference in the season that finished in 1980. How could we forget? This was a historically good... Legendary team. It was a historically good Texas A&M team. And they went 14 Playing as well as anybody in the country. In the second half. Yeah. And as a result... You had the, uh, you had the pleasure of being able to tell Chris Jans that as well. He was not aware of it when you told him, correct? No, I handed him a piece of paper. I was like, hey, did you know you held them this long without a bucket in the second half? And he looked at me, he goes, no way. I was like, yeah. Yeah. 12 51 without a made basket, coach. He's like, man. I've enjoyed getting to interact with him. He's, he is a, 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 he's a, he doesn't give you a lot of sugar coating when he, when he talks to you. So, yeah. He's a good interview. So where does Mississippi State go from here, right? I mean, that's the that's the next question. Two games left in the regular season. South Carolina at home on Tuesday night, and then they go to Vanderbilt. And going to need defense to travel because Vanderbilt can absolutely get it going from three, especially at home. Jerry Stackhouse does a really good job with them offensively. But on the on the other end, you can get looks against Vanderbilt. But, on the other hand, when you get looks, you got to make some of them. you got to make some of them. And they made enough of them on Saturday against A&M to, to get it done. The good news for State is, like you said, the defense has traveled this year. You know, Missouri is a team that averages over 80 a game. State holds them in overtime to 66. Uh Alabama is a team that scores 80-plus a game. They didn't crack 80 in either game with Mississippi State. Uh, Tennessee is a good scoring team. They didn't crack 80. and, and yeah, I think State's only given up above 73 times this year. So I feel like State's defense will travel. But all that being said, the big game is on Tuesday. It's tomorrow. It's against South Carolina. That is a it's must-win. You cannot, cannot, cannot have a quad-four loss on your resume at this point, a new one at this point in, in the season. You have to win that game to keep your resume clean. And if you do that and you go to Vanderbilt and win, then you're not sweating on Selection Sunday. You know number? that you're going to be in. What, they're 238, aren't they? 
238. Yeah. I mean, you can't lose that game. You just cannot. And South Carolina, you know, has played hard this year. They, they had Alabama on the ropes the other night. That game, of course, was at home. Um, they beat Kentucky earlier this year in one of the, the most inexplicable uh, decisions of, of, the, of the season. They went to Ole Miss and won. They they are they are capable of coming in and beating you, especially if you're a team, Mississippi State, that they does struggle pro. offensively. They, yeah, they, they have got a future one pro, pro. Play they on have their an team. NBA lottery pick on maybe not lottery pick. They have one more NBA pro than Mississippi State has. Yes, absolutely. So got to win that game. But you know, if you, if that holds, if you can win these last two, you're just in. Lenardi's uh, bracketology today: State into the last four buys, so actually in the uh, field of 64 now. Not having to play a play-in game in Dayton if the tournament were today. In the bracket. Hunter in Columbus says, I don't think anyone wants to see State in the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament. I won't be surprised if they make the Sweet 16. Thank the you. NCAA tournament's going to be interesting because, you know, the first game, State's probably going to be, what, a 10 seed, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're playing a 7-10, whatever. So if you win that game, Great. And he's, I think he's correct, though. Whoever the two-seed is is not going to be pleased that they've drawn Mississippi State because of the way State plays, the way State plays defense and the way they've played defense all year. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to have to get that scouting report together and know guys were really going to have to grind and play hard in this in, to have a chance to win. And yeah. Also, you got to whoever you're playing, if they don't have a good matchup for Tolu Smith, that, that's going to be a problem. Borky, as you all watched about on... matchups, man. That, that, that's yeah. all a tournament run is about. Great teams lose early because of bad matchups. They run into, yeah. even though he's played like crap lately, a CJ McCollum at Lehigh, and then you get beat. And it's. I had somebody ask me that last night, like, how far in the tournament do you think State <clears> can go? And I said, tell me who they're playing. I mean, that's and that's such a cop out answer, but it's the right answer. It's who are they playing and what is their style. It's all about mashups, man. There, there is so much luck that is involved with winning a basketball championship. It's not even funny. Coming up on a break, I'm going to ask Michael Borky when we come back what he thought about that game as he watched it. Well, oh, if Saturday. the announcers with, weren't with, so I'm bad, sure I would have enjoyed muted. it. I was gonna, look, I was going <laughs> to tell your joke before you told it. I said, I'm sure you watched the game with the volume turned down. Yeah. Yeah. So, good atmosphere. I, I, I was, a, I thought it. Early on, it looked like nobody was going to be there. And then yeah, once the game started, it, it filled in pretty nicely, and I thought it was pretty loud. Still a little surprised that it was Dodger more... fans in that group. Dodger fans? Yeah, it was oh, late arriving. Oh, late arriving crowd. Yeah. Yeah. The 405 through uh, Octimbaha County, you know, gets backed up. Do you think of the 45? <laughs> or the 25? Yeah. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Junction in the Grove and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV on this Monday afternoon. So, Michael Borky, we can make the, set the jokes aside about voluming down. Um, didn't have the think? volume down, for what it's worth. Thank you. No, it, it, much of the same. Uh, I didn't realize until I texted Haydad and he responded with the stat of one made basket in the final over 14 minutes of play. I didn't realize like that that I was driving when I got it and I thought, "Whoa, wait. I don't remember it going down like that." I, I was surprised, but the defensive activity, especially from the guards who, you know, you don't get a lot of offense from them. It, it's just kind of not how your team is built. Uh, but generating as many steals as they did, I mean, clogging the lanes for AM, uh, AM's three point shooting percentage was better than two point shooting percentage, right? Or, or it was negligible anyway. Um, didn't, yeah, close. didn't get good looks at the basket. 12 steals, and it, it, they weren't cheap steals either. Like the turnovers uh, were not just throwing a ball out of bounds or, or whatever that happens. No, it was just just hard work defensively. I didn't realize it was as good as it actually was, though, but that's what it is. That's the game that, after Kentucky, we saw some state fans say, this is why I don't get invested, because they always lose this game. No, they don't. No, 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 they don't. Not anymore. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, this was sort of, this game was kind of, if you go back to when State was in that losing streak, I kept trying to say, you know, when they get out of this stretch... You know, because they played Alabama and Tennessee four times in seven time, in seven games, and and I said once they get out of this stretch and they start playing the rest of the conference, and at that time Auburn was ranked like in the top fifteen too when they played them, I think. And I was like, they they they're going to turn this around. They're they're playing okay. They're just playing these really good teams, and I you know, it, there was a lot of a lot of debate about that, and instead, you know, I, lucky me, I turned out to be right on that one. Because state has once once they once they won the TCU game, the the motor started running and they've just been going. And I still I still don't feel like they peaked. That might have been the best defensive game of the season. Offensively, they haven't had a game where I just thought, wow, they really put it all together. Free throw line, shot the ball well from from everywhere. I, they haven't had that game. I don't know if they're capable of having that game. To be totally honest with you, but they have definitely turned it on since the TCU game. They've won seven out of nine. And with a great chance to finish on winning nine out of your final eleven, that that's a that's a great end of the season. You're playing your best basketball at the right time. Yeah, they're a hard matchup, and and I think you're right. I mean, and and I kind of joked with Chris Jans, and we were talking with him at shoot around on Saturday morning. I was like, who who besides Tolu, right? I mean, who who's the one that steps up and knocks down those shots that you got to have? He's like, I wish I knew the answer to that. <laughs> I kind of laughed with him, and you know, they're guys you can point to, right? I mean, you can point to DJ Jeffries, who has had moments and flashes. You can point to Shaquille Moore, who's had moments, but but DJ Jeffries shoots twenty nine percent from three. Jack Moore shoots twenty seven percent from three. Cam Matthews shoots sixteen percent from three. Ashawn Davis a little bit better; he's at thirty six percent. I feel like Eric Reed's hit some big shots in the last couple of games, but he can't consistently get them to fall. Yeah. He's at mm, 25% from behind the arc. Another uh, another Cam Matthews stat, though. In the month of February, 29 of 35 from the free throw line. 
I mean, he has become a, a guy at the end of the game. State kind of wants the ball in his hands. He's he's yeah. a guy that you can trust to make make your free throws. He had he had a couple of big ones on uh, on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, before we run out of time in the this three o'clock hour, we only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, any quick thoughts on Ole Miss? Or I'm sure you watched the Rebels against LSU. I mean, it wasn't like must see TV or appointment viewing, but no. I thought they looked different. And like just a little bit of a burden had been lifted. You, you could see a weight was lifted off their shoulders, and not to beat a dead horse, but there wasn't the early angry timeout. There wasn't the uh, angry rotations because of what they, they played a little bit freer. Um, it, when you hear stories like Jamin Brakefield, by the way, who who was an outstanding kid, as it turns out, just like one of the good ones, where all the headlines in college sports are bad things that are happening. You know, Alabama basketball again did something stupid again. Uh, they've been doing it for a long time, though. Uh, all the talk is about this guy hits the portal, NIL, all this stuff. Like that's all college sports are about. Jamin Brakefield's one of those guys that you can't help but root for when you hear about how he carries himself. Um, I, I've watched it up close. Yeah, he's special. He he is. And and look, I mean, this is this is. I don't even know if I should share this. I, I, it's fine. It's on public spaces. If you follow along social media accounts, last week you saw him at not one but two different schools with young children. And he is friends with a family that we are friends with. And almost every Sunday morning, he is at church. And there are these, the the children in this family climb all over him like he's a play toy on the playground. And he just lets, and you can tell he just, he just loves these kids and he has let himself be embraced and has kind of embraced back the community you can't help but feel good for a guy like that. And he's been, been good. Been solid for Ole Miss. New coach needs to find a way to keep him out of the portal. No doubt. Um, but happy no doubt. for guys like him getting a win in a season that's been otherwise a disaster. And Win Case is a really good guy, too. And you got to be happy for him. Sports Talk Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour, winners and losers to start things off coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Aha! Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com and at men's specialty stores all across the state of Mississippi. Outstanding golf shirts, comfortable sports shirts, lightweight shorts, different types of pants, outerwear, whatever it is you're looking for. Turn to a Mississippi-based company who was started right here in the Magnolia State, has maintained its headquarters here in the state of Mississippi, and is providing fantastic stuff. And it's not just everyday clothes. You've also got the collegiate collection. So when you're headed to Pete Taylor Park or Duty Noble or Swayze, make sure you've got on a genteel apparel golf shirt with your team's logo. It's not a big, loud, obnoxious logo. It's understated. It's classy. It looks absolutely fantastic. You're going to love how they feel. You're going to love how they look. Check them out online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. 
As we work our way through winners and losers, you can send us yours as well on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Check out ceasefire.com for all the great deals that are going on. It's time for winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner. And will not tolerate a loser. Winner never win. And a winner never quit. What'd you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? That's how we classify our winners and losers. Michael Borky, lead us off with a winner. Yeah, Calvin Harris. Mm-hmm. Seven hits on the weekend, the Ole Miss catcher, four of which were yesterday. Two of those were home runs, one of which was a grand slam. I know he was a pivotal piece to last year's team, and so this is kind of cheating, but if Mike Bianco and catchers, what is it about Mike Bianco and catchers? Man, you lose Dunhurst, and guess what? Here comes Harris, and he hit 336 last year, and he's over 400 this year, and a bunch of home runs, and uh, hitting opposite field power and spraying the ball all over the yard. It's just one after another, after another, after another, and it, it looks like, you know, they've, they've got another one. And Calvin Harris should be National Player of the Week this week. I haven't seen those come out yet, but he should be after what he did to Maryland this weekend. The uh, the the pitcher slash hitter for Florida's probably got to play uh, pace. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. An argument is what Caglione or Caglione? <laughs> yeah. Ooh. He was the co SEC Player of the Week with uh, Dylan Cruz. Yeah. Come on, give Harris some love. That opposite field home run looked like it was going to get caught at, at about 200 feet, and it just somehow left the yard. But they pretty, all count the uh, same, right? Pr- pretty good stuff. Uh, hey, Dad, a winner. Let's give women's basketball a shout-out uh, in this state. We've been talking about Mississippi State and Southern Miss men's basketball all season long, but Ole Miss women, Coach Yo, that means they've got a, a two-day bye in the SEC tournament. They're the four-seed. State's the five-seed. Sam Purcell has his team. Poised to make it back to the NCAA tournament. Southern Miss women won a share of the uh, Sun Belt title this weekend. Uh, they will, they're sort of in the same boat as the men. Uh, they'll have to, uh, to win the conference tournament if they want to go to the NCAA, but a good season for them as well. And this state Ole Miss thing has set up a, uh, something for you that if state wins on Thursday, they will play Ole Miss on Friday in the SEC tournament. So we may have another game to Ooh. add. And Coach Yo has given you your only wins this year against me. So, mm-hmm. could be could be another win on the ledger for you. We'll have to see what happens in uh, in Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, if you get that, and if you get four baseball wins, all of a sudden, I'm looking in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Like, who's, who's well, yeah, and, and, well, at that point, oh, I'm wearing red and blue when we go to uh, to Palmer home. So yeah. we'll see. We, um, man, I look. It's two weeks in a row. So forgive me for the monotony, but. Uh, College baseball fans in Mississippi. I mean, State goes 11,000, 14,000, 11,000. Ole Miss goes 9,900, and then like 10,5, and then 10,9. Southern Miss has three big crowds again this weekend. It's incredible. I, I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like I saw on Saturday. I mean, an absolute perfect storm with the absence of a storm for Mississippi State. Right, so a good basketball crowd. I think the paid attendance for basketball was what somewhere between 9, six and seven thousand. 
I thought it was less than that on the box score. It felt like it was a whole lot bigger, but but whatever. The paid attendance would have been nine, though. Yeah. Okay. Um, regardless, good crowd for basketball. I hang around for, I don't know, 15 minutes after the game, get in my truck and start driving out. And at that point, I walk out of the back of the building, and they're singing the national anthem in Duty Noble, getting ready for first pitch. And the flood of people that are making their way into the stadium at that point, I mean, it was a line of people that was 12 wide and went on for a mile, like wrapped back around Humphrey Coliseum, coming from the parking lots. And then you go on to find out that Mississippi State had its seventh largest crowd ever, over 14,000 under the lights. Well, it was a cool night, but it wasn't ridiculously cold. That was really cool. Really, really neat to see the way it filled up. And that was for a team that got absolutely got the brakes beat off the day before. Like, completely non-competitive and playing bad baseball. Good stuff. Well, that is what happens at the finest venue in college baseball, per Michael Borky. Agreed. What's that? When Haydad sent the picture of the banner telling everybody at Duty Noble that the best place in this state to get your sports talk was this show, I always knew that it was the best... Did, I don't know who was in charge of putting that ad on there, but thanks. That was awesome. It's not an ad. It that was the stadium. It's a great ad. Truth. It, it only lacks our faces. And I think they should replace the Cowbell race with the Sports Talk Mississippi race. I am willing to set the Brian Haydad mascot to always lose that race. In fact, to probably pass out halfway down the track. <laughs> but I think that would be great if we had Big Head, Cross, Borky, and Haydad doing that race every week. That's a million-dollar advertising idea. If you got a problem with Sports Talk Mississippi being the best sports talk show in this state, you take it up with Mississippi State University. Yeah. They're the ones saying it. Not us. You can Not catch us. Chris Lamonis on Sports Talk Mississippi every Monday That's during right. baseball. Coming up seven minutes from right now, we'll talk about the uh, the weekend that was uh, for him. Quick round of losers, shall we? Yeah, Alabama basketball is a loser in the midst of everything else. And and here's what, what I find a little ridiculous, honestly, is using the they've been doing it all season as an excuse. In case you didn't see it, Brandon Miller, you guys know who that is by now, as he was getting introduced in the starting lineups over the weekend, was given a pat down by a teammate, similar to a police officer, that exact motion, basically. And, and I don't care if it's been going on all season. That, it, exactly. I, I don't care. The retort Circumstances is, change. Well, they've been doing it all season. Well, the, the tragedy happened weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And they knew that one of their players is still sitting in jail on capital murder charges. Another one allegedly drove the murder weapon to the scene. And another player was there. And for weeks after that, you continued to do a pat-down thing during starting lineups. Nate Oates, after the game, said that he doesn't watch starting lineups because he's drawing up plays. Which, uh, Coach, you may want to do that like before starting yeah, every, lineups. Every coach does that. Every coach sits there with their dry erase board and starting lineups. Yeah. Um, but even if he never saw it, did not a single person at Alabama for weeks... Not a single person stop and think, wait, we shouldn't do that anymore because a young mother is dead. We shouldn't do that anymore. We should stop that. That went on for weeks with students and 
season ticket holders and university administrators and coaches and, and everybody saw every that happened every game and nobody until the right media person shared that video online thought hey you know what we shouldn't do this anymore pick something else Borky, the list of I- questions or, or the list of answers that I would like for a single question would take multiple pages if it were transcribed. The question is, what were you thinking? And you can ask that question about a hundred different things that have happened as it relates to Alabama basketball and the Brandon Miller, Darius Miles, Greg Byrne, Nate Oates, university cover-up, pregame introductions, et cetera, et cetera. You, you can ask that. I'd love to see the answers to what you were thinking for all of the different angles. And secondly, talk to someone who was there on Saturday. And his observation was the mental gymnastics that people are going through at Alabama to not only get through this with words, but to pat themselves on the back for how they believe, how well they believe they are handling the situation is absolutely a sight to behold. Not my words. Somebody else's words that was there on Saturday. All right, Farm Bureau guest line coming up next. Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach, Mississippi State. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry. Poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again to Sports Talk Mississippi on this Monday afternoon. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Time to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. It's time for our weekly conversation with Chris Lamonis. His team won two out of three against against Arizona State over the weekend, lost game one, and then bounced back in a big way on Saturday and Sunday. And Coach, we were talking just a second ago. I, I know you never miss an opportunity to kind of mention what the fans at Mississippi State mean and how special they are. I, I just referenced a second ago. I was leaving Duty Noble. I, I'm sorry, was leaving the hump after the basketball game as the national anthem was going on. And the stream of people that were coming into the stadium, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. Then you go on to have over 14,000. It's just incredible the way Mississippi State fans support baseball. Yeah, well, it was um, it, not only was it 14,000 fans, they were on edge because Chris Jans got them so fired up with that basketball game. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> to win a huge game like that and bring that energy into our ballpark was, I, I mean, there ain't many, I haven't been in there many nights that felt like that. <clears throat> SEC, regionals, super regionals. I mean, it was, it was crazy. It was great for us because we had a lot of recruits in the house. Kids were there watching. It's on national. You know, you're seeing it on TV. Uh, our fans are unbelievable. They love it. And, you know, especially, I mean, we, we didn't play good the night before. You know, it's kind of had a little bit of a tough week. And uh, for them just to still have our back and be behind us is huge. Well, and that's where I wanted to go next. I mean, calling a game seven or eight games into the season a must win is just dumb, right? I mean, that, that would yeah. not make any sense. But it felt like Saturday was really, really important given the way you had played on Friday. <laughs> 
Well, when you coach here, every game feels like a must-win. So um, it's just the expectations here, and our fans just they want to win so bad. But, you know, um, we knew we'd have some learning curve, you know, a little more than I thought this first week. Um, But we we played – we really responded on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, the Saturday started for Arizona State. That guy's got a chance, you know, in next year's draft be a first 50 pick. I mean, that guy was really, really good in our – our kids competed and, and fought with him. I thought Graham Eitma had a great night on the mound. And uh, Evan Thierry, well, he pieced that game together for us in a big way. Coach, I thought what you had to be the most pleased with over the weekend was you lose the game on Friday. It's, 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 not, a great, it's not a great performance. You bounce back on Saturday, Sunday with maybe your two best games of the season from a hitting, pitching, and defensive perspective. You played error-free baseball. I think strikeout to walk was like 22-5. to five. I talked to you yesterday about the way you hit with runners in scoring position. It just felt like it was a complete performance from your guys Saturday and Sunday. It really was. I mean, it was. Those were by far our best two games. Um, and just you know, uh, you know the the pitching stuff early. We're trying to find the right guys. I get. I'm not happy with, but I get the stuff that blew me away the first week was the defense. Like we're a really good defensive team. We've always been a really good defensive team, and. Um, just some guys who play make every play had a had a couple hiccups in that first week, and then you know the offense, like you said, you, you know timely hitting is, and you know people act like RBIs aren't a big stat. I, I feel like they are, you know. So you know a guy gets up there and sees guys out there and drives them in. Um, you know, timely hits can make up for a lot of things. Pretty good weekend at the plate for Colton Ledbetter. Yeah, he's pretty good. He do, and he just does a lot of things. It's not just the homers. It's 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 the poor guy. He he flies. He steals bases. He doesn't strike out. Puts pressure on people. Uh, you're going to see him get a lot of infield hits over the year because I mean he just he's down down the line at four zero four one, and plays really really hard. I'm super impressed with his defense. He makes the play on Saturday night and almost robs a homer there in the eighth yesterday. You know, so a uh, really good week for Colton. Chris, talk to me a little bit about catcher and first base and, and kind of as you look at those two positions, Luke Hancock, <clears throat> Ross Heifel, Hunter Hines, kind of, uh, I mean, people have watched the games and, and they're going to make their own assessments, but as you look at those two spots with that combination of guys, what, what's your thought process right now? Well, we're splitting some time between our two catchers, you know, so one guy didn't get too uh, tired. Um, trying to get Hunter Hines into the mix, you know, DH last year and Luke played there, so we have a rotation going on, you know, between those guys. I mean, Ross is a little bit better. He's a better thrower than Luke. But Luke, you know, commands the game, the pitching staff, the blocked balls, you know, those type of things that he's in a good spot with. And then now Luke's played a lot of first base. And getting Hunter out there and getting him comfortable. I thought Hunter's played well the last couple of days, you know, there. And then we have some, you know, it's really locking up a lot of stuff because I have a couple – you know, uh, we've had David Mershon out for a couple of weeks with a hamstring. He's starting to get healthy. He's a guy that has a chance to get on the field. You have Connor Isaacs come off the bench and gave us some really big swings. Like, I have some good players that I'm, I'm having to try to figure out some rotations with. Coach, is the second weekend in a row where a player who didn't get a lot of preseason buzz had a, had a great weekend. And you know, last weekend was Bryce Chance. This weekend I thought it was Graham Intima. A guy that, you know, when we talked about Mississippi State pitching, his name wasn't at the forefront of anything, but he came out on Saturday and really gave you a start that not only was a good start for your team, but a start your team really needed to see happen. Yeah. Uh, y'all may not know his name, but our hitters knew it. You know, like they faced him. He, <laughs> he did not give up a run in the fall, and uh, I think he gave up one in spring training. 
you know, and our kids will, it's not, it's not bad stuff by no means, but it's not, him and Garvin aren't overpowering. They're not throwing 95, 98. They just really know how to pitch and it's very deceptive. It's hard to hit, you know, and this day and age, they'd rather face 94, 95 with no breaking ball, you know, than somebody who's going to pull it back and flip it over and, and have some deception to their fastball. And that's what both those guys have. But yeah, Graham was a guy not a lot of people knew about, but our hitters did. And we were just trying to keep him in the pin because we wanted that really good left-handed option in the pin. But, you know, the way things worked out the first week, he's, he's jumped in there and gave us a great start. Big game tomorrow night down here in uh, – or not down here. I'm in Star, but what am I doing? But down there yep. in Pearl uh, with, with Southern Miss, what's the pitching plan for you guys? We're throwing uh, Bradley Lofton, our freshman. Pitched a really good game last week and, uh, you know – Got good stuff. Got to get out there and get used to it. It'll be a big atmosphere for him. Um, but he's pitched there a bunch in his career and uh, familiar with it. He just got to be be able to go out there and pound the strike zone. But we have a lot of confidence in him. I'm sure there's a one game at a time approach. But if you peek ahead to this weekend in Frisco, uh, Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac twelve, you get three brands that you're playing. Not necessarily <clears throat> the biggest baseball brands, but Ohio State, Oklahoma, Cal. I mean, that's three big brands. What do you expect from this coming weekend? Well, you know, for us, we want to get on the road. We want to, we have to be able to experience the road before the SEC play. So that's a big piece of it. And I like tournaments. And I like tournaments in Texas because we recruit there a lot. Um, Ohio State, you know, probably goof that one up because they got, I think their, their left-hander on Friday night may have the best numbers in the country right now. So we're going to face a really good arm from those guys. They got a new coach, so we don't know a lot about them. Oklahoma lost in the national championship game last year. So there's some recognition and they're coming to our league. You know, right? And Cal, I don't know too much about them, but they've been—they probably have played better than everybody there to this point. They've had a really good start to the season. So, um, programs that play the game well, they're coached well, and uh, you know, be be interesting. We got to get out there and keep playing good baseball. Chris, last thing for you. I'm curious. Once the season starts, do you kind of peek at box scores from everybody else in the league? Kind of keep an idea of what's going on. Is there anything that, that's happened in the SEC so far that stands out to you? No, you know, actually, I know this sounds crazy, but when, like, you lose on Friday night, you don't touch your phone, right? Like, you don't, you can't even, you know, it feels like it's vibration through social medias and everything. So, I really, I don't go on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. I'll look at box scores, though. You know, we get an email every night with the league scores, and I'll right. look at certain guys and certain players. And, you know, we have some really good teams in our league right now. I, I can tell you that, but it's um, nothing crazy from that side. Busy week coming up. We wish you the best. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, guys. Hell State. Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach, Mississippi State, coming off uh, two out of three over the weekend. They lose game one 13-4, trailed 13 to nothing in the game, but bounced back with a 5-1 win on Saturday. Hey, Dad mentioned it in our conversation with Chris just a second ago. Good defense, right? No errors. Pitched it well. Came up with some timely right. hits. And then yesterday, just absolutely pounded the baseball and combined that with good pitching. I mean, th- think about that. You give up 13 runs in the first game and then four over the next 18 innings. Or was it a run rule game yesterday? Did, did they finish it in seven? No, no. It played, they, they, did not, uh, they did not have the run rule in place yesterday. Okay. You score four runs in the first game, and then you rip off 21 over the next two games. It's... Um, Big time bounce back. Southern Miss, 6 o'clock tomorrow night in Pearl, Trustmark Park, and then Frisco, Texas this weekend for the Frisco College Baseball Classic, Ohio State on Friday night, Oklahoma on Saturday afternoon. 
Cal on Sunday morning. Big week coming up for this Mississippi State baseball team. Weather tomorrow, by the way, if you're on the fence about going, high of 82, low down into the mid-50s, so it'll be just, it'll get a little cool. Bring so a bring a light jacket, and you will have perfect baseball weather. Yeah, yeah. And then two weeks from tomorrow night, it'll be light at first pitch still. Yes, sir. <laughs> We're getting closer. Yeah. Getting closer to the time-changing we're glad to be with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll go back to winners and losers. Get some of yours on the ceasefire text line coming up next in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line and take a look at some of your winners and losers. Speaking of winning, you have a chance to win with Super Talk Mississippi with the Morgan Wallen ticket giveaway that is ongoing. Morgan Wallen is coming to Mississippi. He is a country music superstar. You know that. He's going to be at Vault Hemingway Stadium in Oxford, and we're going to give you a chance to win. All you got to do is register at uh, one of the places that has um, a registration box, like Ramey's Market in Monticello, Sage and Willow Boutique in Corinth, or at Watts Brothers in Columbia, and many others. For the full list of places that you can register to win Morgan Wallen tickets, go to supertalk.fm slash Morgan Wallen. Winners will get two sweet seat tickets to see Morgan Wallen at Vault Hemingway on Sunday, April 23rd. It's all brought to you by First South Farm Credit, King's Daughters Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brookhaven. So let's see here. We got winners. Let me let me throw one more thing in. Sure. On, on the Brandon Miller thing, though, <clears throat> and that's you know today the SEC named Oscar Shibway Player of the Week. Shibway had a good week. He averaged twenty three and ten all week. Couple wins for his team. Miller averaged thirty three and eight this yeah. week, including hitting a game winning shot against South Carolina. There's no way you can't convince you can convince me the SEC did, did didn't do that on purpose. Well, and and how about this? How about SEC Player of the Year? Brandon Miller is the SEC Player of the Year. Period. Yeah. End of discussion. He is the SEC Player of the Year. But now you're hearing people go, you know, Sheway's been good down the stretch. Well, what about Wade Taylor? Yeah, narrative time. Wade Taylor the fourth. Have you seen his last five games? Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to give that guy the award. No, they yeah. don't. But I don't know that they're going to have any choice. Because he's the best player in the yeah. SEC. And he's still eligible. Uh, here we go. Keith in Water Valley. Winner. Liam McFadden-Ackman hit two first-inning grand slams on the way to go- hitting for the cycle. Finished 5-for-6 with 10 RBI. 
and four runs scored in Northern Kentucky's 27-4 win. Oof. Who did they play? Who did they play, Keith? Wasn't there a softball player that hit for the home run cycle this weekend, too? What? Home run, two run, three run, Granny? Yep. Oh, wow. I've never heard of that before. That's awesome. Fairly certain that happened in softball this weekend. Keith also says loser Brandon Miller pregame introduction. Winner, this is from Kenny and Iuka, Coach Yo and the Lady Rebels, first 11-win SEC season and back-to-back 20-plus win season since the early 90s. Mike Clement, or I'm sorry, Mike in Oxford says his winner is Mike Clement. Ten different Rebel hitters have homered in the first seven games. It's pretty good. What a stat. Yeah, it's pretty good. Matt and Tupelo, winner, Dame time. Talking about Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard, 71 last night. Loser? The NBA, who drug tested him immediately after the game. (laughs) DK got one, too, after the... I said the NFL did that to DK after the the all-star celebrity game, basketball. I I like Damian Lillard a lot um, because that, that league has gotten so far away from... Anything other than ring chasing. I mean, you've got this load management crap. They're doing a disservice to their fans. All this stuff is going on, and, and, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And Dame Lillard could have forced his way out of Portland a dozen times by now and gone to a championship contender and won multiple rings. But he stayed at Portland because why Why would I want to go anywhere? This is my team. I'm not going to go anywhere. And, he, I mean, he's vocal to this day on social media about, you know, I didn't chase rings. I'm okay with that. You should be too. Uh, I like him, and I like his mentality. Where it's it's not all about chasing a ring. That you know this team picked you and have given you life altering money, and he's decided to give them everything he can back without reservation, and that's awesome. That's it. Yeah. Keith Invaden doing the happy dance. He says, "I'm a winner. I want some tickets to see the Doobie Brothers today on Super Tall." Nice. Okay. That's cool. Good job. Very nice. Uh, TJ, this is from Vance. TJ McCants is a winner. Admiring the home run, notwithstanding, that kid has been thrown some rough times. Godspeed to him. So, you know that TJ McCants lost his mom over the summer, uh, lost her battle with cancer, and over the weekend, or I guess last week, lost his grandmother. And so he went home to Florida to be with family and to be there for her funeral memorial service. And he returned after missing the first two games of the weekend, and he hit a majestic home run that he admired yesterday. I went back and counted on the on the replay. He stood there for almost five seconds. Didn't he say after the game that had he had another chance, he wouldn't have done it like that? He would have stood there for ten seconds. <laughs> it would have been eight seconds if I could have done it all over again. Yeah. And the catcher I, I started took going too quickly. Said things, and McCant said things back, and jogged around the bases, and they said some more stuff to each other. And the umpire tried to kind of stand in between them, and then Kemp Alderman kind of said something. Who was in the on deck circle? And he like shoved T.J. McCants to the side. He was like, "No, no, no, I'll I'll handle this for you, buddy." Um, well, good on Calvin Harris for ending that game early and making sure that nothing could happen, except for the fact that these two teams will meet in we'll U.S. Play. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis on Friday. So There you go. Um, 
winner. Win case for not calling a timeout 40 seconds into the game on Saturday. <laughs> Loser, Texas A&M baseball for their celebration complete with bubbles after walking off game three to salvage one this weekend against the mighty Portland Pilots. That was they scored rough three. College station. They scored three in the bottom of the ninth to avoid being swept by Portland. Yeah, I really do wish Win Case. I know he's not going to get the job, but gosh, the the marketing possibilities are just endless. And nothing will be ever as good as Jolie Dunn as the interim or the the yeah it was an interim head coach when we had yeah. the it's a done deal stickers. Yes. Yes. And that was a great big collective. We, all of us, we had them. We had the T-shirts. We had the stickers. It's a done deal. D-U-N-N deal. Sure. Those same stickers could have been used in Starkville later. Talking about they, they, I'm pretty sure they it's were when they, when they hired him as defensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Winner, Calvin Harris. Kid is raking. Winner, Ole Miss women's basketball team. Winner, the Ole Miss home run leader, Peyton Chatagnier. Who'd have thunk it? Peyton Chatagnier. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Here's another one. Uh, loser, Tennessee, in that fake swing and bat flip, so stupid. Winner, back, Harris. And so's the player as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Everybody's okay. cleared for the weekend. Uh, winner, Calvin Harris. No gloves or frilly stuff, just good old tank bombs. Uh, winner, Chris Kirk, won the Honda Open, or the Honda Classic on the PGA Tour yesterday, and me for taking him at 33-1. to 1. Nice. Very nice. Uh, the announcer on SEC Network for the Ole Miss game is a winner. Golden baseball terms all weekend. Oppo Taco served on a Grand Salami. Oh. Okay. Is Jimbo the baseball coach, too? I think we're talking about Texas A&M there. (laughs) (laughs) Jimbo Schlossnagel. Somebody called the Major League Baseball pitch clock a loser. Here's the thing. So, yes, there there was a walk-off, what what did it, a tie pitch clock violation? Tie, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And everybody's all mad about that. And here's the thing. A similar deal happened in the minors when they implemented it there. Early on... There was a lot of violations. As the season went on, guess what happened? Everybody adjusted, and there were fewer and fewer to the point where the last couple months of the season, there were none. Zero. So, no, you don't want to see a game in that way. I have a feeling they're going to tell the umps in meaningful games, like playoffs, a game's not going to end that way. But by then, they would have adjusted, they would have adjusted anyway. They shaved 30 minutes off the first Saturday of spring training games. You had a two-hour and five-minute Major League Baseball game because nobody could score runs. Hey, that, that Ole Miss game yesterday against Maryland was headed for about three and a half, three forty-five. 345. Yeah. So that, that Oppo Taco Grand Salami, was that was that what we went with? Yes. Okay. Yes, um, we'll go with that. It, it ended it very abruptly. But, I mean, it's, uh, it's a high-scoring game. I mean, that, that those are still going to happen, and they are still yeah. going to take a long time. I mean, it was 10 to 8 at one point. I mean, what can you do? Paul in Starkville, winner, Mississippi State freshman pitching Saturday and Sunday. Uh, winner, the captain, 
Garrett Wood, not a starter, but when he comes in the game, everything changes. Hashtag free Wood. Uh, winner Kyle Bush after winning the NASCAR race. Oh, wait. Kyle Bush after winning the NASCAR race today, he's just a loser in general. I mean, by definition, a winner, but actually a loser, you say. We'll wrap up the four o'clock next, uh, four o'clock hour next. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Bianco will join us at 20 after 5 today on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll talk about the Rebels' 3 and 1 week. They had the mid, well, probably won't talk about the midweek game against Arkansas State, if we're being honest. It'll be about Maryland this past weekend. And also looking ahead to a busy week five games this week, eight games in the next 10 days. And that's for a team that is, is down some arms. Right? I mean, you're without Hunter Elliott, and there's no new news on, on that front. I think the last update we got was that seeking some opinions and maybe was going to see some specialists in person. Yeah, no definitive answer yet. And so, I mean, he said as much over the weekend that haven't ruled him out, haven't ruled him in, just are, are exploring every possible option. But either way, as we said when it happened, he's going to miss significant time. Regardless of what the final prognosis is, they're going to be without him for a little bit, at absolute best. He's going to miss either some time or all the time. Yeah. But one of those two, uh, when you're talking about Hunter Elliott. And of course, you're without Josh Mallets, who had Tommy John surgery in the offseason. And um, what hopeful that at some point, possibly... Riley Maddox can come back from his Tommy John surgery that happened along the way as well. He's He is on the 40-man, but that's kind of a just-in-case thing. It, what's interesting, I mean, I, I don't know if interesting is the right word. Maybe it's it's just more of what the team's going to have to deal with. When you, when you move Doherty to Friday, the, what happened this past Friday notwithstanding, he got squeezed a lot. We've seen him pitch against really big-time lineups and big-time spots, and he's going to be fine. Not not really worried about how he looked on Friday. We've seen him in tighter, bigger spots pitch better. He's allowed to have a night where he's not perfect, just like everybody else is. But now you're missing three quality bullpen arms. That that's that's yeah, what makes the right. move. It's not like the trickle down. Yeah, and so uh, there's a bunch of guys where it's funny. I was texting with a friend uh, during the games over the weekend, and every time Bianco would bring in a new pitcher, he would say, "Who's that guy?" <laughs> Like, honestly, I don't know either. I mean, they're all new. These are these are all new names here, and it kind of goes to show the issue. And now they've got two games in the midweek, three games on the weekend, and then a quick turnaround on Tuesday to play Southern Miss. So you've got a lot of baseball being played. I mean, they played a game yesterday, one day mm-hmm. off, two games, yep. one day off, 
three games, one day off a game. It's like a Major League Baseball schedule, honestly. Uh, yeah. So, I, I guess... Oh, I, I missed this, that, that Riley Maddox came in as a pinch runner and scored a run yeah. this weekend for, uh, for Ole Miss. I mean, if he's on the roster, might as well use him, right? He's got wheels. Let him run. Man, the place went nuts yesterday when Ty Malone came in as a pinch hitter. He's a fan favorite. And, and got a walk. But, Drew you know... And, and I know kind of what that game was, but it's not like Maryland wasn't scoring. That that was Mike Bianco saying, hey, I think... Or, or at least he wanted to see what he's got against a better team in a more important spot. Yeah. But he also went to a righty-lefty matchup. But, hey, he thought that this matchup... I I can, or at least I think I can, rely on this kid to produce in a spot like that, which is what people have been asking. Can Ty Malone actually be a productive member of this team this season? And at least in, and I'll ask him about it so we'll know for sure, but it looked like at least in Mike Bianco said he thinks there's a possibility. Yeah. Which would be awesome to see 6'4", 300 pounds, a defensive tackle up there with a bat in his hand is objectively awesome. I was sitting next to Jane when he came to the plate, and she's like, oh, my goodness, he's so big. <laughs> and she's like, look at him next to their catcher. I was like, well, their catcher's not huge. He's thick, but he's not huge, but 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 still. She's like, how big is he? And I had to Google, 6'4", 300. That's, that's a lot in a baseball uniform. And yet he moves quite well. He uh, he does. So, um, so Ole Miss gets two out of three this weekend. In baseball, did you guys think I was overstating that? Uh, hey, Dad, you probably didn't watch enough of it. Morky, I know you did. To to say that that was an SEC weekend, I mean, you know, a team that was ranked 13th in the country, they can swing it. I mean, mm-hmm. that that to me felt like an SEC weekend for Ole Miss. I mean, Maryland would certainly be towards the top. I mean, they wouldn't be LSU or Arkansas or anything like that. But no. I mean, they could certainly finish. Seven, eight, nine, ten, which is usually good enough to get into the NCAA tournament. So, they won forty-eight games and hosted a year ago, and won the Big Ten, and they're favored to do that again. So we'll see. They got some guys that can hit, man. The the Larusa kid, who had two home runs yesterday and was what we talk about millimeters on a bat or 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 fraction. I mean, if if he hits it. What, a sixteenth of an inch lower on the bat? That ball probably travels a little bit farther, and he hits a grand slam. That thing feels a whole lot different yesterday. Had a uh, had a huge weekend. Sports Talk Mississippi, two hours in the books. i got to split. i got to get on the road. Got uh, Florida and Georgia tomorrow night. Uh, these guys are going to take you the rest of the way and be with you tomorrow. I'll be back on Wednesday. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. More coming up after this. Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. Did anybody ask Richard what the Florida-Georgia line is? I'll show myself out. You should. You should show yourself out. Just get out. 
I'm doing that. I read a critics review, and it's not like the critics get. I mean, if you have a critic score on Rotten Tomatoes that's like twenty five percent, and an audience score that's like seventy five percent, go see the movie because it's probably great. Right. Like critics don't get a lot yeah. right. But a hilarious review, it's viral if you just Google Florida Georgia Line concert review of, of a music critic reviewing the concert that they went to of Florida Georgia Line. It is just chef's kiss, just beautiful. Uh, perfectly encapsulates. It, I don't mean to insult your music taste. If you like Florida Georgia Line, more power to you, buddy. I listened to Paramore on the way to the studio today, so I, I can't really judge anybody else. But, yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty good roast. Speaking of getting roasted, the ACC is getting roasted. Is the SEC going to have new members aside from Texas and Oklahoma? They are trying, so let's talk about it for the College Football Fix. Driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Again, a couple of ACC teams are trying to drive their way, like the F-150, right out of their conference using the best-selling truck in America for almost five decades. So we talked last week, in case you missed it, Florida State had a board meeting where they were presented, and now the images of the slideshow that they were presented are leaking out, showing the financial discrepancies between them and their rival Florida, or their SEC and Big Ten counterparts. Basically saying, if we don't leave the ACC... We will be hundreds of millions of dollars behind Florida. So we have to leave now. Figure it out. We got to go, basically. Add Clemson into that mix as well. We have public comments from Clemson now. This is from their athletic director. Here's a quote. So Florida State spoke essentially publicly about their desire to get out. Clemson has been added to that list. Here's a quote. In all candor, I put it as a need. We certainly recognize the investment that we've continued to make as an institution and our community in athletics, namely in football, which certainly drives a lot of value that is important from a television and revenue-generating standpoint. He's not wrong. Uh, Grew up in the area. Clemson has transformed, thanks mostly to Dabo Sweeney, and his rise of of the program. It is a completely different place than it was 20 years ago because of how good they've been in football. Is it time revenue distribution within conferences where at least the ACC is done differently? Yeah, I've been very active in those conversations within the league and continue to expect to take a leadership role in our desire for that to be changed, be a changed circumstance urgently. That's the athletic director at Clemson. What he means is, the more valuable teams in the ACC get more money than the less valuable teams in the ACC. So either we're out or we're getting more money than you, and that's it, is what he said publicly yesterday. What's interesting about that to me is the SEC makes it work with everybody getting the same. As far as far as your your TV distributions now, maybe it's because it's such an ungodly number that Alabama would look weird saying, "Look, I know we're getting fifty million extra dollars a year, but we deserve 80. I mean, they they can see they're okay on their fifty million a year, uh, and that's going up as we've said before. You know, in a couple of years, it's going to go up to I think sixty million. <clears throat> it, it really does feel like the SEC just has to snap its fingers 
and people find a way to join them. So if Florida State and Clemson want to get out, you know, and the SEC wants them to come in, it will eventually happen. I mean, it, honestly, Michael, we could be sitting in Nashville in July and getting ready to talk to Andy Staples or something, and all of a sudden, boom. Florida State and Clemson yeah. are joining the SEC in 2026. That's how it happened with Texas and Oklahoma. So anything is possible. It all depends on Greg Sankey. You know, If he yeah. wants to make the move, the conference will make the move. It sounds like there's desperation. And, and what's going to be fascinating about this, if you're Boston College or Syracuse, right? I know Syracuse has got a basketball program that used to be good. Uh, but Boston College doesn't do anything well. Are they going to accept a situation where they get less money? Why would they do that? That That's not fair to them. They put teams on the field, albeit not as good ones, but so they would object to that. So you're going to have this infighting deal that's going to go on. But long story short, the public statements are a cry for help, I think, are a cry for help. And what Clemson and Florida State, in my simply, I'm just trying to connect dots that may not be there. I think Clemson and Florida State. Help is strong, by the way. Yeah. I think that they are trying to cast doubt within their league because they have to, as you guys know, we talk about this a lot. They have to get half the league to say they want out of their TV deal to end that TV deal, which is a disaster for them. Right. This tells me that they are trying to publicly rally support in favor of blowing up the ACC so they can go on their way and either renegotiate that thing and get more money or get the heck out. And what's funny about the ACC is they have a trump card that nobody else has, that they have the relationship with Notre Dame, and if they could ever convince them that it would be worth their while to join the conference full-time, then you pick up a huge market and you pick up a lot of money and everybody's probably happy. But they're not able to do it because, you know, I don't, because they're just not willing to do it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm at the point with, with the ACC where it would almost make sense for them to do like a Longhorn Network kind of deal. Just tell Notre Dame, you can keep your deal, but you also have to like maybe, you know, give us a percentage of it to, spl- I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but we get this you got message. That, you got the, the Pac-12 about to be on my iPhone, it's great. Yeah, I never understood why neither of those schools came to the SEC when A&M and Missouri did. They definitely fit better than Missouri in the East. Always figured they never did because they can't win as easy in the SEC as they have in the ACC. They, it, it was they di- should have come in 92 Yeah, when South Carolina and Arkansas joined. It should have been Florida State and Clemson. But Florida State knew that they didn't want to play in the SEC at that time. Because they were the top dog, you know, at the time that we were in the Metro, and then they went over to the ACC and dominated that conference. And Clemson, uh, kind of the same thing, didn't want to have to play the SEC. State. You know, they didn't want to play Auburn and Georgia every year at that time. But that they were the two that made the most sense, a yeah. lot more sense, really, than Arkansas, even, in South Carolina. Yeah, it, it, things have changed a lot since. What, was it 2012? I know they joined in 14, but didn't we know in 12 that it was happening? No, they joined in twelve. We knew they in joined 10 in twelve. We happening. knew in ten that it was happening. So back yeah. back in twenty twelve when they joined, the the goal for conference expansion was to get as many people, in terms of population, in your footprint as possible because terrestrial right. television here. was the only thing that mattered. Missouri's here because they didn't already exist in the SEC's footprint, and you've got Kansas City and St. Louis. 
Exactly. That, that was it. That was the only reason. And now things have changed so much that doesn't matter anymore at all. And of course, it doesn't matter anyway because, you know, and I went to St. Louis this past year. And I mean, the number of Missouri shirts I saw is the same as the number of, you know, NYU shirts I saw. <laughs> Zero. And I mean, in those two towns, those two towns are northern towns, which means the, 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 the Cardinals were the number one thing, the Blues. And, and, you know, I guess from, uh, the Chiefs, obviously, you know, in Kansas City, the NFL is, is just a bigger deal. Missouri is just not a big deal in those cities. They didn't, they didn't draw huge numbers in, the, in those towns. Nope, and, uh, and they never will. So that's why, I think, that's why Texas uh, was brought in, because the market doesn't matter anymore. It's all about national appeal, what, what brings the most national attention, regardless of what state and the population of that state is. Take Notre Dame, for example. Indiana is not a highly populous state. They also have to share it with Purdue and Indiana. It's, it, you know, but it's just such a significant brand that it doesn't matter about state population when it did back in 2012. Things have dramatically shifted in, in terms of desires. And yeah, I think the only hang-up on the SEC side of this is if Clemson and Florida State find their way out, which it sounds like they desperately want to, Will ESPN pay you more? And if that answer is no, they are not coming. Then you can't do it, yeah. If that does happen, if Florida State and Clemson were to bolt, I would suggest an ACC-Big 12 merger at that point. Yeah. Make a super conference and figure it out. Yeah. So there's your latest round of conference realignment. Very little college football news going on. Spring practice is coming. It's here in Hattiesburg, but we'll uh, we'll get into a lot of spring stuff because we've got a actual interesting spring around here which is rare honestly new coach new offensive philosophy in starkville possible quarterback not possible quarterback battle in oxford so we'll do some spring practice stuff when that comes but we're a little 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 bit away yet uh, so there's your realignment mike bianco will join us next on the farm bureau guest line we'll do that here in a couple minutes when we come back This is Sports Talk. This is sports Talk. Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you at Sports Talk Mississippi on a Monday. We go back to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Ole Miss head baseball coach Mike Bianco joins us right now. And coach, uh, big series win, top 15 team coming to your place. Uh, Friday night doesn't go particularly well, but your guys battled back and uh, won with the long ball on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, you know, one of those, uh, you know, weekends, uh, you know, mixed bag. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, you'll take the wins and, you know, against a, a really good opponent in, uh, in Maryland. Uh, but, uh, you know, Friday night, uh, you know, I, I thought, uh, Jack, you know, Doherty filled in for Hunter, you know, uh, pretty well. You know, maybe not his, you know, his best outing for sure, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, 
kept it close, but then you know the bullpen we weren't you know um, we weren't good enough to keep it close enough, and obviously they extended the score. But the way our guys bounced back on Saturday and Sunday, I was proud of them. You know, and uh, Saturday we were behind most of the game, and and then uh, you know had uh, had two beginnings you know at the end, much like Sunday, where you know we just kept extending the lead and then really you know pulled away at the end. What did you learn about your team this weekend? Well, you know, we're always learning, you know, these first four weeks and, you know, throughout the season. But uh, it was nice to see us, you know, handle some adversity. You know, one, you know, uh, losing on Friday, coming back and winning two games and having the toughness to do that. Uh, two, without, you know, two of your better players and Hunter Elliott, DJ McCants missed the first two games uh, because of a death in the family and was at a funeral. And so, you know, maybe a little undermanned, you know, uh, that, that we would hope that we would be when conference play starts and our guys handle it well. You know, on, on the, the other end, we, we still got to learn more. We got to, we got to be better on the mound. We get, we got to, you know, cut down the, the free, ba- free passes, you know, to the other teams. Uh, but, you know, there were some bright spots. Even when we didn't pitch it well, it seemed like, uh, we, we didn't let it get out of hand. And, uh, you know, for the most part, especially in game two and game three, to, you know, to give ourselves a chance. Speaking of uh, your pitching plans, so you just got done with the three-game set. You get a day off, then you have two, and then you have a day off, and then you have three, and then you have a day off, and then you have one. So how are you going to manage uh, your your pitching staff uh, tomorrow and Wednesday, and are you making any changes at all for for any reason uh, on the weekend to help kind of balance the number of games you're playing in such a short amount of time? The, the quick answer to that is no. I think you know, you know where we are. Not that it's you know set in stone. I mean, obviously it's always fluid. But you know, right now I don't I don't see a, a move you know to make with the, with the weekend rotation. Uh, you know, those guys. Some of them haven't pitched great. Some of them have pitched better than probably their numbers have looked. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, I think at this point, what they've done in the program to to, to this point, six months into it, uh, through fall scrimmages, uh, we we need to continue to do that and continue to grow that. Uh, tomorrow we'll go with the JT Quinn again. Uh, but you know, the next two days, the next eighteen innings, you know, um, I, I think is uh, you know critical for us to kind of give some guys some more opportunities on the mound. I think you know, hopefully you'll see Mason Morris out of Tupelo that hasn't been able to pitch yet, uh, and maybe a couple other guys that maybe have only been out an inning or two uh, to kind of get their feet wet and uh, you know see what they can do. So we're not going to announce the Wednesday starter yet because a lot has to do with, to be honest with you, you know what happens tomorrow night. Mike Bianco joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Coach, you, you mentioned T.J. McCanson uh, had to step away from your team for a couple of days to, to go to a funeral, comes back, uh, hits a towering home run. Uh, before I ask you about the home run itself and, and, and what came after, uh, what what do you make of, of his performance on Sunday coming back from, from yet another just tragic situation in his life uh, to, to play like that again? Well, you know, it just breaks your heart. I mean, he's just a tremendous young man. And, um, you know, I think, you know, death is tough for all of us to deal with. But when you're such a young person and it happens to, you know, your mother and then your grandmother, uh, you know, in the midst of, you know, six, seven months, you know, it's a, it's a lot on his plate. And, 
but you know he knows he's loved here you know in this program and uh you know he comes back and you know this is probably the his happy place right and uh you know I watched him do it last year where he had to step away for for a week uh and go visit his mom when she was very ill and came back and hit a home run Friday night against Arkansas and so uh you know he he's a kid that's you know super resilient just super proud and and again you know the, these moments you know these are real you know I know uh uh, you know, we, we, we want, want to play baseball, we want to win a lot of games, and we want to win championships, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's a baseball game. And, uh, you know, there's other things that, you know, uh, these kids go through that, you know, I think sometimes we're not aware of. And so, uh, you know, your heart breaks for them. So he hits a, a towering home run, I mean, no doubter, right off the bat. Uh, stares at it for a little while, and and a little a little jawing happens, and there's that's all it ended up being uh, after that was was just a little bit of jawing. But as a coach, how much of that uh, do you attribute to to Edge, and how much of that do you want to allow or rein in, or, or you know, did you have a talk with your team after that? How do you feel about that kind of stuff now in baseball with the bat flipping and and things like that? Where do you fall? Um. Probably somewhere in the middle, you know, and and I made a mistake. I wrote it down and forgot. I meant to, to talk about it Sunday in our pregame about uh, Anthony's, you know, bat flip on Saturday, which, you know, I thought was, you know, a little, little much, you know, like if you're going to walk uh, halfway down the baseline, then just toss your bat to the dugout and, you know, you know, you know, let that be the end of it. That, but that was probably the start of it because those are the things that, you know, the fans love and, you know, uh, but, you know, sometimes it, it can be a little much. And so I'm, I'm all right with a, you know, a little bit of a flip or I'm all right with a guy standing there a little bit. But, you know, sometimes, you know, there, there's a lot of emotion and, and what you'd hate to happen from it is something negative, right? That, you know, a kid gets in, you know, into a shoving match and a fight. And next thing you know, they, they suspend you and you end up getting five games, six games, seven games suspensions. Cause in baseball, they're a lot longer. Uh, the reason is they want you, they, they want it to impact, you know, a weekend or a week's, you know, worth of games. And so because we play so many games, you know, a lot of times the suspensions are a lot worse. As you notice, like last year when, um, you know, John Gaddis threw at a, you know, a hitter for Texas A&M got spent suspended five games and almost finished the year for him. You know, he wasn't eligible to play until the championship game down in a regional. So yeah, I think you just got to be careful. That's the thing I worry. You know, obviously you don't want to show up the other team. I'm all for celebration. I'm all for energy and emotion, but you want to try to rein it in to, 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 to a point where it's respectful, you know, and, and one of the things you got to be careful of is you can't sit there and celebrate it and say how cool it is, you know, from, from a player standpoint, from a coach's standpoint and from a fan standpoint when you do it, but when the opposing team does it, you know, you, you, you take offense to it, right? I mean, so, you know, at some point I think it's probably best to be somewhere in the middle ground. And uh, you're right. I, I think probably on the Internet it was probably blown up a little more than it was. You know, the catcher had said something to him. He said something back to the catcher, and that was really the end of it. You have a fan favorite, at least I think you do, uh, your, your football player who happens to also play baseball, Time Alone. Uh, you gave him an at-bat on Sunday, and at the time, what was still a rubber match in a closely contested game, people have asked us uh, time after time after time what kind of role he will have on this team. Was, was that a sign for you that you think you've got some confidence in your defensive tackle to give you quality at-bats uh, against big-time opponents this season? 
Well, remember, he's not my defensive uh, <laughs> tackle. He's, he's Lane's defensive tackle. He's my first baseman. Um, I, I think it's a sign it shows that you know he's worked really hard and he's he's grown in this game. But uh, you know, I think the role is still being developed. You know, we, we we don't really know, and that's again, I know it sounds like coaches speak, but we're still trying to figure out you know who are going to be the guys. You know, not you know not only the start, obviously the lineup you know changes from weekend to weekend and game to game. But who are also going to be those guys that come off the bench and do certain things, pinch hit, pinch run, come in a defense replacement, and so on. And we're still trying to develop that. But there's no doubt that Ty's in the mix. And, you know, he's he's worked himself into that. You know, last year, I think it was just he, he had missed with COVID and football and everything else. He had missed so much baseball uh, that he fell behind. But he's worked hard. He's worked hard in the offseason. He's worked hard in this early part of the season to, to give himself you know, some more bats and some more opportunities so we're going to try to get get him in there as much as we can so he can show what he can do coach we got about a minute left and we appreciate your time have you ever played or or coached a game in a football stadium before yeah, we you know we were up in uh, Minneapolis and played in this exact tournament when it was in the Metrodome. I want to say probably oh six oh seven uh, when I was here, uh, and uh, but remember that you know that you know kind of went back and forth as a baseball football dome, and so it was really set up. Uh, we also uh, played there uh, in Minneapolis when I was an assistant at LSU uh, in '95, and then played in the Superdome several times. Which probably will be closer to this, where it was really a football stadium that you play baseball, where the dugouts are a little makeshift and all of that. But the thing is, it's ninety foot bases, it's sixty foot six inch mound. Yeah, maybe the dugouts aren't you know major league standard. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're playing inside. Thank God, because we're in Minnesota, and uh, you know it's going to be against some really good competition. Awesome. Thank you so much, Coach. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Appreciate it. It's Mike Bianco on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. We'll be back. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. Don't forget, if you missed our conversation with Scott Barry earlier in the show and Chris Limonis as well, it'll be uploaded for you on the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, pull out the app. I would recommend Spotify myself. I think it just functions better than the one that gets Spotify man. automatically uploaded to your C Spire phone. Either way, you've got a podcast app on your phone. Pull it out. Search Sports Talk Mississippi. Never miss a minute if you just hit that subscribe button. Also, on the Super Talk Mississippi YouTube channel, I will cut all of those sometime early in the morning. I have a weird clock in my workday. I'm cutting videos by 7 a.m. basically every morning. Doesn't make sense, but that's what I do, and that's what I do. Uh, that'll be there. Don't forget also the uh, Sports Talk Mississippi podcast ad free. Yes, sir. Just the show. Easy listening for you. Um, so you can find them there. <clears throat> and thanks to Mike Bianco for joining us. I got a message during that break, a text message to me, not on our C Spire text line, asking if we've talked about the Ole Miss basketball coaching search yet. And, and I'll just, because he's listening, I'll just answer this way in case you were also wondering. No, and here's why. There's nothing else to add right now. We talked about it extensively yeah. on Friday. 
Uh, I mean, it's it's been reported uh, by friend of Brian Haydad's Ben Garrett that I, I say reported. He said that he the two names friend. Yeah, you go. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. Frenemies, (laughs) I guess, would be a better way to put that. Um, That he's hearing uh, a lot of Chris Holtman and Chris Mack, which I think would be a fascinating hire. Chris Mack would, honestly, I would call that as close to a home run as you can get. Um, But either way. It's typical Ole Miss. We hire Chris, y'all hire Chris. (laughs) They just can't can't stop Kyle. Hey, there's three Chris's in the mix. Yeah. There's Chris Holtman, yeah, there's Chris apparently Chris Mack, and then they there's somebody that works for Forbes reported that... Is there a Chris football coach? We could have the big three over here at State if Arnett doesn't work out. Chris Peterson, bring yeah. him out of retirement. There you go. Chris Peterson, Chris Jans, Chris Lamonis, done. <laughs> um, I anticipate that Keith Carter has already uh, been diving deep onto Chris Beard because... He took Texas Tech to the national championship. He's a quality coach that you never would have, you never would have a shot at otherwise. So yeah. you might as well kick the tires. Uh, that, that's all we got. Absolutely. I mean, there's really there's nothing more to add. It, it's still new in terms it's of the be a official month plus. Oh, yeah, you know, it's going to be after teams start getting eliminated from the NCAA tournament that names are, you know things are going to start really moving. That's what happened with Mississippi State last year. I remember watching the first weekend of the tournament. And, you know, Jans was there, Matt McMahon was there, Todd Golden was there. That was State's top three guys. And it was just, you know, who's going to get eliminated first, and then it'll go from there. And, that, and that's how it went. Speaking of Chris Jans, and speaking of the NCAA tournament, we'll circle back to this because we started the show with it, and we need to new audience two hours, two and a half hours later. Mississippi State, massive, massive win over Texas A&M on Saturday. In that game that fans have been waiting years for the team to win. I mean, how often yeah. did we hear that under the previous regime? They don't just they just don't win that game. The one that They won- get to the point. Yes. They get to the point where it's like this is if you win this game, you can start rolling. And you, you get to that point, they would always invariably I I I I'm not making this up. I on a podcast I likened it to the parable of Sisyphus. The man who had to roll the stone up yep. the hill only to have it fall down every time. That's what Ben Howland was at Mississippi State. He would roll it up the hill, and right when he's at the end, he's going to push it over. It would come tumbling down on him. So not Saturday. I was the only the only sports podcast in America to make mention of Sisyphus. <laughs> I promise you, probably that. so. Um, and then they get it. They get the win on, on Saturday. Uh, we talked about it in the first half of the show. Texas A and M did not score for twelve and a half minutes uh, in the second half. One field goal in the final fourteen oh nine. That's a good basketball team. It's not like they did that to Texas A and M Corpus Christi, right? It's fourteen forty four thirty five with fourteen oh nine to go. State takes a timeout. I guess at that point, Chris Jan said, "Stop letting them score," and his team took it to heart. And they will not gain the next another bill- yard. I almost went that in the press conference. I was like, did you have like the red? Remember the Titans moment there? It's like, I swear if they score another bucket, I'm going to pull everybody's scholarship. Something like that. But they did. They, they scored one more bucket, one more field goal the rest of the way. They hit some free throws. But, and that, that one bucket came on an air ball that they just happened to be under the basket and then laid it back in. Um, and it's incredible, by the way, that all this happened 
and the game was only a, a seven-point win for Mississippi State. Know, it feels right? like that kind of thing. You should win by 25, but State, you know, still has their problems offensively. But defensively, they, 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 they have, they have carried them all year with that defense. And now they've put themselves in position where for certain, if they win their last two games, they will be in the NCAA tournament. No questions asked. Smith was good. 17 points, six of eight from the field. Five of eight from the free throw line, which is not something that you just like throw a parade for. But the fact that he's becoming a reliable free throw shooter is also a nice thing for Mississippi State as the games are going to get more important here uh, very soon. Yeah, he's, for his career, has been a bad free throw shooter, but he's been improved since the since State came out of this. It's no it's no coincidence, by the way, that State and their losing ways ended when Tolu Smith started being able to hit on the free throw line. Those things are connected. And now he's hitting, I think, in the last eight games, like 65 66%. State as a team is hitting around 70% in the last nine games. Not great, but good enough to win games. And not and good enough not to lose games the way you did in the first game against Alabama where you missed 18 free throws and lost by 11. Or against Georgia where you missed 15 free throws and lost by 8. I mean, how different is State's season if they have those two wins? They're probably like a five-seed. Something like that. It's just it's just incredible. So yeah. they they have, they they keep playing better each and every week. I still don't think they've peaked, which is you know something that could be interesting when we get to the uh, the NCAA tournament or to the SEC tournament. To be totally honest with you, they could go on a run there. We'll see. We get this message here. State is close to last in the country in three point shooting. Imagine if they were just in the top one hundred and fifty. How many more wins? Right. If they were average, they would have maybe. And they would have at least four more wins. At least. I know for, I mean, if they were just average, the Auburn game where they were 0 for 18, right? They win that. They probably beat Missouri last Tuesday. They probably beat uh, Alabama at Alabama in that game that they lost by three points. They lost to Florida by two. They lost to Kentucky by two. I mean, yeah, if they just, just could make one to two more three pointers a game, they'd have four or five more wins. And it creates, it does so much too, because defenses then have to respect your ability to shoot, and they space the floor a little bit, and so your big guy might, might get a chance to, you know, go to work without the the entire roster surrounding him when he gets the ball in the block. I mean, it just it, it does so much. That'll be the biggest priority for Jans this off season, and we don't have to get into the yeah, offseason stuff right now. If you look at his recruiting on, class, but, he's. His recruiting class, he's got a couple of, of JUCO guys that are scorers and shooters, and then obviously in the portal, you know. And of course, you know they have to see who's coming back. You know, yeah. at this time right now, Tolu Smith could be back for another year and become Doctor Tolu Smith uh, at Mississippi State. You know, uh, I think everybody on the roster, short of Deshaun David, I could, maybe I could be wrong on that too. There's there's a couple of guys who they're just out, but almost everybody could come back, and then you just fill in a couple of, of, of shooters from the portal. And you go again, yeah. and you give me Tolu Smith, another year of him, yeah, they're, you're right back in the tournament in all likelihood. Him and some spacing, that would be great. So what's next? South Carolina tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Have, to. Have to. Have to win. Can't Cannot lose. I mean, and, and people are like, oh, they're terrible. I get that. They are bad enough that it, your resume takes a massive hit if you add a quad four loss in the last week of the season. You cannot do it. So State has to go out there. Emotionally, come down from this big win. Be be prepared to play and dominate this South Carolina team. They did so on the road. They need to do it again at home. This message here says, "How about State just shoots 
fewer three-pointers. Yeah. You're, pre- you're preaching to the choir. I say do it every game. It, it's like easier said, said than game, done, though. If you abandon the three-point right. shot, then they'll just m- really bog down the paint, and then you, you can't, can't do anything. You can't convince guys who have open looks not to shoot. That too. They're just going to do it. When they have an open look, they're going to shoot. State shot from the from the two-point range in the Texas A&M game, they shot 67%. But they were 3 of 21 wow. behind the line. And so that's how you end up where you are. Defensive three seconds would be a huge benefit to this Mississippi State team, but that's only an NBA thing. <laughs> if you could get that rule, this team would just, be dominant. Just get guys out of the paint. Is the state versus Southern? Oh, sorry, I'm uh, reading the wrong message. But yes, the Mississippi State Southern Miss game tomorrow will be on uh, sort of TV. So if you've watched any state game so far this season, same platform, same everything, the game will be there as well. That simple. Yeah. SEC Network Plus. Plus. Brian asked which SEC teams are in the big dance, so haven't uh, haven't released mm-hmm. those yet. Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky's in. Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas is in. Uh, I was at Alabama. A&M's Auburn in. is in right now. A&M is in. Auburn is in right now. They need, they need to keep winning. And then you have State, and that's probably it. At least for right I don't now. I think Florida's going to get in. Missouri's yeah. got to play their win. Do they Missouri needs win? to win a couple more games. Yeah, their they're, they're net's like 49. they got to go in a 49, yeah, in the net right now. Sports Talk Mississippi, 601-879-4395 is the text line. We'll be back. Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borkey's Brian Haydad. We got a message that says State will go one and one this week. The nervous factor is a different word. That's okay will come into play for their NCAA selection. As long as it's the one in South Carolina, I think they're fine. Do not let it ever be South Carolina. <laughs> Never South Carolina. Never. Oh, boy. They, they, man, I, I have not watched a college basketball game with as much interest, using that word specifically, than I did that South Carolina-Alabama game. I was locked in. Hey, what a locked biz- in. What just a bizarre scene that was. Hoping for justice is all I want. Are they like, this at is, this Auburn is car- tomorrow? Here it is. Alabama? Yeah, is it at Auburn? I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure. I know Saturday they are, they're at Texas A&M. Which that won't go bad. They, uh, no, they're at home. They're at home. Home against Auburn. But that's, um, that's Wednesday, though. And A&M, right. A&M, of course, now two games back in the conference chase. So they need Alabama, they need Auburn to beat Alabama. And then A&M would need to beat Ole Miss to have a chance to clinch a a share of the conference that they would split the conference title. so I guess Alabama's already clinched at least a share of the conference title. Good for them. Yeah. Little 
little engine that could there, Alabama. Something like that. Yeah, something, um, something like that. How much live did you watch this weekend? Live like golf. They were on the CW. I, I don't even know what channel that is. Oh my god! I don't either. I couldn't tell you. What about XFL? Didn't didn't watch any. Didn't it? Did, but that's not, that's 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 not a, like a a slight to them. I just I was busy all weekend. Yeah. I was working Saturday Sunday. It hasn't grabbed me at all. I I can't do it. I tried last year. I tried the year before. I, just, I can't do it. It's worse. It's like football. I I want to watch it. I want to, I want to enjoy it. Right. But you're absolutely correct. It's like, it's it's the same reason. And not not that you know. Again, I, I'm not trying to slight anybody, but I don't watch Double A baseball. Like if Double A baseball is on television, I'm not going to watch it. I don't go out of my way to watch. I don't go to minor league games. I, if I do go, it's for promotions and not for the quality of the baseball being played. You know, I, I just I'm just not. And it, that's the same thing here. It's like once the NFL is done. Yeah, you know, we talk about how like man, I wish footballs all the time. I kind of need. I don't know that I need nine months to let the batteries recharge, yeah. but I do need like a little break from football where I have basketball and baseball to carry me. See, and that's the thing. And you know, Barry says part of me does not want football all year. We need a break exactly. so we can anticipate the next season. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'm more that's interested exactly, in the combine correct. this week than I am the XFL because. It's yeah, the best I'm, players. Of the I'm more conference. interested in breaking down the schedules and the week by week stuff and the position stuff than I ever am about the XFL. So you know, I hope those guys, I hope they're successful, and maybe in a couple of years they can really be something. But like right now, it's one of those things. If it's on, I will certainly watch it. But am I going to go out of my way to consume it? No. Yeah, and trying to do it when March Madness is about to begin, and it's like right, it's tough. Football fans. Are are fans of other sports too? Like they don't, and some people are, are just. I'm an I'm a Saints fan, and that's all I am. And and I, I wake up and I just click on Saints stuff. But there's a reason that all of not all of the cities, but most of the cities have multiple teams in them. You know, Green Bay's an exception, but New Orleans is basketball. Memphis is an exception, but Pittsburgh has the Pirates. They have the Penguins. That Atlanta has. The soccer team that outdraws the football team. They've got the Hawks. I mean, it's everybody's got something else, and there's a reason for that. I don't know. I I, I admire the effort, but I'm just not jazzed up to watch DeAndre Francois operate an offense. It's just for the Seattle Sea Dragons or whatever in front of 6,500 people. Just doesn't do it for me, and I don't think it ever will. I get it. I get it. It's a sport. You're a sports expert. How would you discredit sports program? What? I, I mean, know. I discredit sports programs all the time. I don't watch tennis. I don't watch golf. I don't watch lacrosse or field hockey or regular hockey for the most part. For that, I mean, I, I don't. I don't watch boxing. And I mean, there are plenty of sports I don't watch. Yeah, I used to think that that I had to consume it all, everything. Yeah. I used to think that, and then one family yeah. happened. But I was on it. I was listening to Ryan Russillo actually, because he used to be that obsessive, and he said when you're obsessive like that, you forget to do anything else, and your audience wants to hear you talk about other stuff too. Anyway, 
found that to be interesting perspective. Richard's off tomorrow. We'll be with you from 3 to 6 as always. But for him and Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, you'll have a great night. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow at 3. business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll, MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff, MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.